Balloons. Baloney. Balloons. Party balloons. Clown balloons. Yeah. That's what I said to uh, somebody on Twitter. Some some serious person. Some US intelligence official type person who said Very serious. was complaining about the balloon. And I said, actually was blinking. No he, less. Yeah. He was saying, uh, he was complaining about the balloon. And I said, but what's wrong, Anthony? Clowns love balloons. Why are you hating on the balloon? You should love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that pops up and you'd never expect it to pop up, like uh, just in the broad broad strokes, you know, a balloon making people go crazy. And actually, the balloon is like a, at least an Ireland balloon, at least where I come from in Ireland, uh, you can call someone a balloon, you know, when they're being <laughs> stupid. You, you bl- shut up your balloon, will you? Because uh, they're being stupid, you know. So, um, oh, yeah, it's a, I hardly for a bunch of balloons. Huh? I was hardly uh, <clears throat> keeping up with the news midweek, and then people were asking me, "Did you hear about the balloon?" And I said, the "What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's happened now, but it's the dominant trending story for five consecutive days." Wow, people don't have a lot to kind of entertain them. You well, know, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, are they that bored? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> are things know. that good for yeah. people that this is the story? Mm-hmm. They've got nothing else to worry about, apparently. Um. It's interesting. It, it's come to a denouement today. Just now, um, a few hours ago, US F-22 shot down said Chinese balloon with a Sidewinder missile. Yeah. <laughs> um, with an inert Sidewinder missile, obviously. Right. It didn't explode. It just pierced it. Yeah, because, I mean, that would obviously would have been the... I was thinking that they would do that if they were going to shoot it down. They would... Uh, they would you know, you don't want to blow it up because you want to ideally... Um, just for out of curiosity, you want to get access to the actual, you know, it has a, had a, had a panel underneath it with uh-huh. some solar panels and some, probably a camera in the middle. Who knows what was, but not a lot of stuff, obviously. Uh, this is a picture of the, uh, pretty good video of the actual shoot down. Look at that balloon. It's lovely. Apparently oh. it's, it's you a big, it's a big boy. So a weather balloon is usually about a third of the size, mm. even at that high altitude. They will inflate when they're high up. Yeah, continuous pressure. Yeah. Yeah, but this one was still a big boy, like like three buses long. Yeah, if you play it again there. Um, in width. Yeah. I have it also you can see it doesn't from explode. the ground. You can see the missile actually goes through. Um, you see it actually goes through the balloon. There's no explosion. Um, close to the bottom of it, but enough that you can see there the... The thing, the payload just the drops. Actual, um, yeah, the panel underneath kind of drops down. Um, the payload. There the I payload. am using well, US yeah, military talk, assuming cl- it's a bomb. You see that cloud at the end there? That was COVID. Well, we're joking, but this <laughs> it, t- it took off from Wuhan, loaded with COVID, and it was, um, yeah, it was a biological attack against America. Um, that's all I can say. I but mean, that the- that seems to be the. Actually, yeah, this we'll is... show people where we got that idea from. State Department, actually. I think this is this guy is actually from the State Department. Uh, I don't know who he is, exactly, but he... Uh, no, it's, he's not from the State Department, actually. Tired. It's on the... He's some dude. Have a listen to what he thinks. ...that is the size of three buses now that China says was taken by wind, wind that we can't substantiate. I'm concerned this is going to be another example of the Biden administration's weakness on the national scale. I mean, (laughs) you you look at what happened in Afghanistan. That hurt 
the reputation of America's military mm. strength. That hurt the reputation of our commander in chief. And now we have China clearly playing games with the United States. This balloon never should have been allowed to cross over into the uh, past the Pacific coast under the continental United States. Never should have happened. You know, my concern is that the uh, federal government obviously doesn't know what's in that balloon. Is that bioweapons mm. in that balloon? Is it, did that balloon <laughs> take off from Wuhan? You know, we don't Wuhan. know anything about that balloon, but the- <laughs> that could be a Wuhan balloon. <laughs> um, He's right, though it could have been. Well, it, yeah, of course. Um, although I would, I do think the 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 DOD or whoever is in control of those things needs to figure out how to start substantiating the wind. Yeah, you know, um, fact check the wind to see if. It was actually doing what it was meant to be doing, or what the Chinese say the wind was doing. We can go back to our models, maybe, and see if the wind was doing what the Chinese say the wind was doing. Um, but I, think I presume I she meant to say substantiate the claim that the winds drove it off course, yeah, as opposed to it being directed. Mm. You you explained to me before that you can direct somewhat a balloon because by inflating or, or deflating it remotely, yeah. it will enter a different stream of wind that takes it sort of left, straight, or right. Mm, I think, I, I don't know for sure, but I assume like there's, if you look at the pictures of it, it's um, it's just a balloon. It's just a balloon, Neil, for God's sake, with uh, four, you know, wires attached to the bottom of it, you know, uh, around the opening uh, that hold the, the, the panel underneath it. And maybe if that's mechanized in a, in a basic way, it can, you know, close, uh, or open the opening basically to allow more to you know because I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a let me look at the video again where's the video again um or I have a picture here actually uh I'll have to I'll have to blow you apart um oh no it didn't have a hole at the bottom did it I didn't study that closely no you should need to study these things closely mm. yeah. For the details, it it may have a hole at the bottom. It's it's hard to know, you know. But anyway, I suppose there may be some vents in it or something like that. But obviously, you can't vent it too much because it's it's full, it's full of hydrogen. I suppose that that helium. you know, or, or, well, hydrogen or helium, helium that allows it to go, uh, you know, float off. I don't know what the mechanism exactly are, are but supposedly they, they can either you can't direct it, but you can increase or reduce it. Some some of them you can re- increase or reduce their altitude just to catch different wind streams to put it in different directions, but. Yeah, um, I have video of it from the ground. Yeah, uh, it's more. It's interesting more for um, social commentary than a technical close-up of what happened. Oh, that one, yeah. Uh, so thousands of these things are released every day, but well, usually they don't go so high, no. and therefore they don't travel long distances. Well, you had the sound. Come on, 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 America! America! Fuck yeah! 
Thank God! A dangerous balloon! He's coming to take our freedom! Um, we got it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Well, that's our we that's our tax par- that's our tax dollars up there. Uh, shooting that uh, whatever it was, Sidewinder, Hellfire, whatever it was. Anyway, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't even apparently it was a huge operation. It didn't it wasn't just one F twenty two. There were four other aircraft and two ships. Mm. Well, the two ships are pick up the the debris supposedly. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of. Um, it's interesting, interesting though. The whole thing is kind of interesting as to where it came from. And do you think the Chinese? Do you think it would be fair to put it in the class of spy balloon than weather balloon? So military rather than civilian. Um. Yeah. Well, like you said, there's like weather balloons go up all the time, multiple times, and a, no one a, a day. But they're not. I'm not. You know, they're not like that one because weather balloons are more elongated and stuff and they tend to just go straight up and they're up there for a relatively short period of time and they measure, you know, wind speeds, whatever, you know, they get data basically on just on uh, very basic communications, whatever, very basic uh, uh, reading instruments uh, to read various parameters of weather. There's other research balloons and stuff like that as well that are a bit bigger and more complex. This would fall into the category of a research balloon, which is what the Chinese said it was, Mm. a research balloon. Mm. Uh, Meteorological, mostly meteorological research. And, um, yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, I can understand where the Americans are coming from um, because, I mean, it came over Alaska and then came down uh, across Canada and nobody said a word. Because nobody cares about Canada. Poor Canada. They got they got terrorized by a fucking balloon. You know what I mean? For like probably like a day or two days. Like nobody said a word. Anything could have happened to Canada with that balloon. You know, I was like screw Canada. And then, but as soon as it hits America, it's like holy shit, we've got a balloon. Uh, Montana near nuclear silos. Near nuclear silos, but you know, it's yeah, like maybe the kilometers close. Yeah, and maybe you could get different angles from the balloon that they couldn't get from satellites to look at the outside of a nuclear silo and then plan some. You know, plot, first strike scheme, something. nuclear first strike to take down America or something. Yeah, but no, I mean, obviously, it's um, it's not, it's not that. It's not. Um, there's there's a few there's a couple of things. Um, it could be, I suppose, that you have to consider if you try and look at it, kind of objectively. First of all, um, it's you know, it's. It is what the Chinese said was, right? It's a research balloon. In fact, the 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 Americans, I mean, at, uh, within the first few days of, of this business, um, they pretty much admitted, you know, that that's what it was. Uh, the Pentagon themselves, that was their opinion. This doesn't look like anything, mm-hmm. anything special. About. Um, it looks like... Uh, well, and their actions showed that because they waited right. until it left uh, out over the Atlantic Ocean to shoot it. Right. So There's no um, urgency. Yeah. Um, let me just see here. Uh, I got a thingy from. Mm, 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 yeah, this is it here. Uh, there it is. Um, mm, 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 just stick this up. 
Scarlet from the Wapo, I think. Yeah, um, it's a it's a screenshot from the from the Wapo Washington Post. Um, oh, sorry, sent it to myself. Telling me. Where they basically say, yeah, this is this is uh, kind of nothing burger. Uh, the Pentagon said, quoting the Pentagon itself, said that the payload wouldn't offer much in the way of surveillance that China couldn't collect through spy satellites, and that the balloon posed no serious physical or intelligence threat. And this is then in the Washington Post. Experts in national security and aerospace said the craft appears to share characteristics with high altitude balloons used by developed countries around the world for weather forecasting, telecommunications, and scientific research. Again, the payload wouldn't offer much in the way of surveillance that couldn't China couldn't collect through satellites and pose no serious physical or intelligence threat, according to the Pentagon. So contrast that with the video we just see we just saw of people screaming USA, USA, and there's another one where someone in maybe that video or another video where they're on the ground and they're shouting, Yeah, that's my Air Force right there. You know, uh, why did why did it why did it get turned into some kind of jingoistic, you know, uh, well, event, this- you know what I mean? <clears throat> If that was their true and initial assessment, backed up by the actions because they didn't shoot it down until day six over mm. the Atlantic, then everything that happened in between was probably domestic politics. It was the Republicans using the opportunity to pile on Biden for being weak on communism. Biden then having to go, oh, I'll show you who's tough. Right. And ordering it to be shot down last Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> With the caveat that General Milley said, well, we'll just wait till it goes over the ocean because right. the Pentagon had earlier assessed that it poses no threat to right. national security. Exactly, yeah. So it was what we saw was another spasm, a micro-spasm of Russiagate. Russiagate was four years of internal U.S. politics. Mm-hmm. In fact, internal D.C. politics projected outwards onto the globe, mm-hmm. onto Russia. Uh, everyone gets to hear about it. And this Chinese spy balloon was the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the internal conflict. Right. Yes. MAGA Congress versus Biden deep Biden plus deep state. So. Yeah. But that suggests that, you know, I mean, that expands it out to the possibility that, I mean, I don't know how this would happen, but it expands it out to the possibility. Okay. You're saying that they, that it was capitalized on, that was instrumentalized uh, by the anti-China, uh, the anti-China, you know, cabal or the anti-China uh, grouping in the U.S. and in, 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 in Congress and, you know, deep state, Washington establishment, whatever, intelligences who wanted to turn this into something that it didn't need to be uh, because they wanted to continue the anti-China uh, rhetoric or up the anti-China rhetoric, basically. Um, and it comes the day before it was, you know, they it was in the news one day before, I think this weekend on Friday or something, it was meant to, uh, Blinken was meant to go to, Beijing for a for chats with he was supposedly going to meet uh, President Xi uh, for you know do some kind of deals or whatever or talk about sanctioning Russia or maybe deals to sanction you know all that stuff basically U.S. Chinese relations basically were on the table and then that got derailed because Biden Biden or Blinken um, couldn't out of you know in all in all decency and all true blue Americanism go to China after they had flagrantly and recklessly and dangerously violated American space with a balloon. Um, and, you know, it put them in a bind in a certain sense. You know, you can see how they, 
they would have seen this this research balloon as something that happens fairly regularly. In fact, it, it's something that happened once already in the Biden administration, maybe three times um, in uh, during Trump's Trump's administration. Uh, similar balloons were Chinese balloons. Yeah, were spotted above, uh, were, were observed above uh, U.S. territory. None of them lasted as long as this one. Well uh, then, but uh, Trump's a chicken, obviously. Well, yeah, no, but it's obviously it wasn't, and it wasn't an issue before. You know, right. it was it was never an issue before, uh, and the only difference being that this one tended to linger longer, and you know, which gives credence to the Chinese claim that this was just force majeure. Basically, it was uh, an accident, an act of act of God. Basically, you know, it was an act of the wind that unsubstantiated wind uh, was to blame, and we had we could had no control over it. So, what do you what do you make a big deal about it? And the Chinese have said that said that at the time, said, "Listen, you know, chill out." You know, you should deal with this in a in a in a, in a respectable kind of like calm way. You know, what I mean, don't don't be freaking out about it. And since they shot it down, uh, the Chinese have said, you know, that this is that's always a bit much, and you should, uh, you know, we reserve right to take any actions in response, specifically relating to the company that released the balloon and its rights. You just shot down a yeah. private company's uh, research balloon for no good reason. Um, but Fox News told me it was a Chinese communist balloon. Well, it is sent up by the government. Well, How can it be a private company in China? That's the that's thing. Absurd. But that well, it extends <laughs> extends it extends open the or ex, it extends the uh, the possibilities to in addition to American uh, anti Chinese faction within American uh, within the American government uh, hyping the whole situation, creating yeah. you know, creating negative optics around it, anti Chinese optics around the whole thing, mm. uh, to the uh, a similarly anti American faction. Uh, within China, not uh, not controlled or not even necessarily known about or controlled mm-hmm. anyway by by Xi or by the by the Chinese Communist Party, who decided to uh, launch this balloon and provoke something, manipulate it in such a way that they would provoke the situation in order to ramp up anti. And this is in advance of some kind of a possible detente between U.S. and China mm-hmm. coming up. So you had. Mm. It would, in that scenario, it would have been initiated by the Chinese, by the Chinese "quote unquote" deep state, or someone within China, some group within China that uh, wants to uh, turn the screw on uh, or, or downgrade American Chinese American relations, and wants to encourage a, a confrontation, a, a confrontation that a lot of people have been talking about recently, possibly in the near future over Taiwan. And of course, this also comes hot on the heels of um, the Americans uh, signing a lot of different agreements and making a lot of different maneuvers within East Asia and the Philippines and, you know, uh, where else was it? I can't remember the other, a couple of other countries in, in basically <coughs> around China, but obviously in South, South Korea there and in Taiwan as well. And even your man, what do you call him, McCarthy, talking about possibly going, there's mention of him possibly going to, uh, uh, going to Taiwan soon, you know, to basically doing the same thing that... Doing announcing that his predecessor Nancy Pelosi yeah. did was to go to Taiwan and big up Taiwan's democracy and independence. So the, the you know the US is China has for years the, the ironic thing about this or the hypocritical thing about this is that for China, for years China has been complaining about US spying activity around its around its borders basically through uh, flights close to its borders and uh, naval movements close to its borders with basically with spy spy ships you know. So America has been spying on directly, you know, flagrantly on China, albeit not via balloon over the country, 
uh, for a long time. The Chinese have repeatedly, if you look at the news, you can look back all the news and you can find out that the Chinese have repeatedly complained about <coughs> Americans spying on, on Chinese, you know, gathering data, etc. So for them to make a big deal about this balloon is uh, ridiculous. But I like the idea that it was some grouping within China, uh, within the Chinese government or the Chinese, like I said, quote-unquote, military, private sector. Whoever decided just to... You know, stick it to the Americans to say, "What are you going to do?" and make them look foolish in, in the in the process. Yeah. You know, give them a give them a difficult choice. They either let it go and look bad, let it float over the country and look bad by not doing anything about it, or they look equally bad in a more hysterical, ridiculous way for shooting down a goddamn balloon that they themselves said posed no threat, was probably not a, engaged in any spying activity, um, and was probably just a research balloon. So why would you shoot it down? You looked like a belligerent. Uh, you know, trigger happy, aggressive uh, country who can't tolerate a balloon flying over your country. So right. it, it put them and in a difficult. Certainly, whatever, whoever, whether it was done by someone or not done by someone, it put them in a difficult position. Yeah, and have organically, naturally, force majeure or intentionally. Right. Um, and and this another story backs sort of because of the contrast in the second balloon that went up. Mm. Supports that um, from Newsweek, uh, second of the force of the three days ago. Um, photos appear to show a second Chinese balloon passing over Latin America, mm. um, and the Pentagon agreed. Inside this short article, Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder said reports showed a balloon transiting Latin America. Mm confirming last night that it was another Chinese surveillance balloon. We now assess it is exactly that, a surveillance balloon from China. Um, so so why aren't... see... Oh, shame. It's not showing up. Click on view. Um, Cartagena, Colombia. So we're seen in Costa Rica, then down to Colombia, and then Venezuela at last. So why aren't they freaking out about it? <laughs> They're... Um, because they're used to it or it's no big deal? Someone in their military said, hang on, I'll find it now. Um, someone in the Colombian military said, uh, this is of no concern to us. Um Where is it now? There it is. Oh, no. I can't find it. Hmm. I, anyway, they said anyway, it was... I read it earlier. Yeah. Columbia was basically like, yeah, no, it's not a threat. We're just going to let it sail on by. Right. Which they do regularly. Well, fairly regularly. But right? that's interesting, though. If that is true, there were two of them. Yeah. But there's probably others. Right. Right now. But that's what people don't understand. Yeah. This is, this is a farce. Like, yeah, uh, it's like literally, it's almost literally like the U.S. Getting, making an issue out of it. Uh, one, yeah, and it's not making an issue out of it, and out of, out of nothing, basically, in the sense of, um, these kind of things. Like I said, there have been, there were similar, probably very similar type balloons, maybe even identical balloons, uh, once already since Biden became president over U.S. Right. territory, over over parts of the U.S., and uh, three under Trump. Do you remember hearing anything about them? No. Uh, and so, and then obviously Latin America, because that's close enough, right? Latin America is America's backyard, right? 
May as well be. It's just, 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 it's kind of like Southern America, right? Latin America. So uh, America claims dominion over Latin America. Therefore, that's why they had to talk about the one in Latin America. But if you did a search, you might find several others in other parts of the world. There's one floating over Australia right now, for example. You know? They th- and they think it's the same kind. Well, of course it is. Yeah. Right. There's one over, there's a couple over Asia. Ah, uh, you're guessing or you've, no, you've there's you've one seen. over Ireland. There's one over, <laughs> I mean, who gives a fuck? Nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> yeah. cares. Nobody has ever cared. They do it all the time. It's happening very regularly all the time. And this suddenly out of nothing. Got it. Just, you just like, you know, suddenly get, suddenly make a big deal about party balloons, balloons at a birthday party as if it, as if they never happened before. That's. But they do make it. loud noises and they can scare the children. Exactly. So yeah. I've, been thinking we should ban them right um the your, only your, your idea of a of a provocation maybe from within china originally um with the with the hope that it'll be picked up in the way it has been picked up mm-hmm. thereby um putting to bed background talks that were undesirable to a arch globalist direction it reminds me of um 1959 gary powers is flying over russia yeah with a, a right. high glide high altitude glide spy plane with, yeah. cam- with a camera an actual on spy plane yeah. an actual spy plane a manned one he's at 80 or some eighty thousand feet i don't know how high they could go but they were they were outside of the range of russian sams so they couldn't be shot down so it was undetected but what happened he ran out of fuel and he had to glide down and he was taken basically prisoner of war. But there's a, the story behind that was that that was designed to wreck. Yeah. Yeah, it was deliberate. He yeah. was, Dulles arranged was, for him to de- live, to land in Russia. Was, he ran out of fuel in the sense that he wasn't, that he was deliberately not given enough fuel to, get, yeah. to complete the mission and get back home and that he would have to, he would run out over, over the Soviet Union, crash, and it would create an international incident. And that had the effect of nixing an upcoming conference right. between Eisenhower right. and Khrushchev. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure, like, like Xi has been investing quite a lot in, you know, you know, discussions and talks with the Americans and stuff. And, you know, he's got a, Xi isn't like a, a, a warmonger, uh, far from it. And, uh, you know, you know, the, the Chinese mentality on this. So it's at least, you know, you know, it's pacifist to a fault almost, you know what I mean? And, um, certainly the way Xi has been talking on this plan, you know, meeting with Blinken, etc. Whether or not that was going to happen, but anyway, there's been other moves afoot over the past, you know, months and even years that show a trend in our attitude of, of at least the official, you know, G government that they don't want any, they want to work things out. So this doesn't fit with that. Why would you set yourself up? Now, I don't know if it, with I don't something know. that can be tracked from coming way in. Yeah, but it's not going exactly. to be—it's not going to be a sneak surprise. No, of course, yeah. But that's why. Well, in a sense, that would be part of the stealth aspect of it. It's something that happens fairly regularly, so you don't—the Americans don't pay any attention to it. They know it and move on. They usually. think, it, yeah, they think it's going to go on its on a, a normal course, you know, which might skirt a bit of the U.S. territory, or whatever. But it's no big deal. But this one, for some reason, assuming it can be. Uh, directed in a basic way like altitude that then allows it to to you to adjust its its course um by catching different winds that it was done that was done deliberately in order to uh have it uh, have it uh, bisect go, the US yeah go through this prolonged flight over continental US that you know again it could have been it could have been played down it could have been 
immediately could have just been said that it's a, it's it's this is one. It could have explained to people. They could have used past examples of it. They could have pulled up, you know, uh, past news articles from it. The media could have said this happens all the time if they yeah. were told to. You know, and but even someone, if it is suspected of having military spy surveillance capability, you, you, you bury it, you eat it, and well, then you talk quietly behind, a, you know, reprimand or... Well, put, put up that... Wap, do something in... Put up response. the WAPO again there, Scotty, just as an example, like... Um, uh, like experts in national security <laughs> said their craft appears to share characteristics with high-altitude balloons used by developed countries around the used by countries around the world for weather forecasting telecommunications and scientific research. The payload doesn't offer much in the way of surveillance that China can't collect through satellites and it poses no serious physical or intelligence threat, intelligence threat according to the Pentagon. So why was that not the final word on it? And why did all of the media not go with that and then why did any, anybody who was trying to rabble rise over be told just shut up, it's ridiculous, you know, we know exactly what this balloon is, it's no big deal, okay this one is spending more time over the US but there have been at least four other balloons in the past six or seven years who have that have in one way or another transited part of US territory and nobody made, it, made a deal about it. And like, and use the example of the Latin American one. There's one actually flying over several countries in Latin America now. Do you hear any of them crapping their pants about it? Why are you going, why do you want us to make a deal, a big deal about this? It's nothing, it's nothing to make a big deal about. Um, but yet they did and they made it. Into, and the, the end result was like, it's almost like the Biden administration's hand was forced because the really significant thing in this that'll go down in history if you forget all, all the details that we're talking about now, because nobody will remember them. Nobody, most people don't know them right now and don't care. And therefore, anybody who does won't remember them, remember them, but the vast majority of people won't remember them because they don't even know them. And they don't care about them right now. Um, what, what this will be recorded as is that a, a vehicle, a UFO, an aerial vehicle owned by the Chinese government was shot down over uh, over America. So when you have to shoot down a craft, an aircraft effectively, they shot down a Chinese aircraft over America. Just remember that. Think of that. Just forget about it was a balloon. America just shot down, the US Air Force just shot down a Chinese aircraft over America. Or over American airspace. <clears throat> and that's, that, and that's, that's the, the first the, shot has been fired. In that's the, the essence, yeah. That's the essence of the whole thing, yeah. This, oh. is, this will be the shot heard around the world. Maybe. The missile... The balloon burst heard around the world. <laughs> the bubble burst. That sparked World War Three. It's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. But obviously, I think that we have to assume that somebody's playing games. Somebody's messing around, you know. And, uh, and like I said, I leave it open that uh, leave open the possibility that it was, you know, a deliberate move on the Chinese. And to be honest, a fairly pretty smart one, you know. Like I said, because it puts them in a it put them in a bind. It was in a certain sense you could say it was a test. They had three options. Two of them were not good options, and they picked one of those not good options. Um, the two not good options were either shoot it down and make yourself look like a trigger happy nutbag mm-hmm. uh, who's shoot, who can't tolerate a balloon flying over your country, you or the American, or yeah, or leave it alone, and then have everybody say, "Look how weak you are! You didn't, you can't even take care of this, you know, intrusion into our airspace." A third option was to, like I said, in advance, get everybody on board and uh, and play it down and and just say, "Listen." There's no problem. In fact, and even admit that we fly China, we fly balloons over China. It's no big deal. This is this is a kind of treaty we have, a balloon treaty, uh, where we get to fly pl- balloons over. And in fact, they do have those spy spy flights over each other's territory. Yeah. Uh, the Russian, well, the Russian one's been cancelled. Right. 
but for a long time, you know, so it's not unusual. So they could have played it down, but apparently they didn't have the power to play it down. And there are certain uh, elements within the US government who wanted to uh, hystericize the population over it and, you know, sound the, sound the alarm over it for their own particular agenda. And the Chinese government, at least on, uh, for their part, are going like, dude, what are you doing? Overreaction. Yeah. Chill out, like, you know. Yeah. Um, but like I said, maybe there was some element within the Chinese government who deliberately uh, made this happen. It's either that or um, or it was accidental, which makes it even worse in a certain sense. If, it, if, if the whole thing was just like force majeure, then it's, it's very sad. It's a very sad situation. Because at least there was no intent. This is complete accidental. Completely accidental. It would fit with the clown world. It would be like Franz Ferdinand uh, being accidentally shot by a, you know, by a pebble, by a, or by a hunter's rifle from, from, or some some kid in the garden shot Franz Ferdinand uh, by accident. You know, playing with his dad's gun. Uh, if if that if it if it ends up being you know like you said the shot that. Echoes around the world. I don't necessarily think it will be. It's certainly not immediately. Or well, it might be part of building a part of a build-up, yeah. a historical record mm. that led to this yeah. unfortunate situation where, oops, we had to take these cr- crazy actions or yeah. plausibly sane actions. Yeah, but I think the yeah to crush con- China. Yeah, it's conditioning the population. I think mostly, obviously, the people that are able to be conditioned in that direction or want to be conditioned in that direction in terms of anti-China rhetoric. But I think the Biden administration will try and make it, it'll go away in a certain sense. They'll try and smooth things over and just carry on and Blinken will go, you know, next week or once, yeah. once something else comes in the news cycle, Blinken will still go to uh, China if, if they'll have him, you know. But yeah, if it was a, if it was a deliberate move by the, by some elements within the Chinese government, then it was, it was a test, if you know what I mean. I would like to think it was that because it's pretty smart, actually, you know, flowing something, flying something. You know, ostensibly innocuous, but with a bit of ambiguity about it over America. But something that they shouldn't, if they're rational people, shouldn't react badly to. Just to see if how rational they are. To see what way the wind blows. Oh. No pun intended. To see what way the wind is blowing in America. Who holds sway? Who has control? What is the dominant narrative? What Who, who can shape public Who's opinion? more likely to, to win an argument? The Hawks or... Yeah. And clearly the Hawks. Or rather, yeah, who gets to shape public opinion around this event? Yeah. And that's very important. That, that, that's whoever gets to shape public opinion arguably has the most power. And tells them something. Well, it tells, them who, something. it tells them who has yeah. the most power in the US, you know, and what the attitude of the people who hold the most power in the US, because the people who hold the most power in any country, the people who are, are able to decisively shape public opinion, because it's only through public opinion that you can really, um, you know, get, you can, you can, uh, engage in, you know, war or sort of conflict with China and stuff, you know. Look at the way they're shaping the public opinion around uh, Ukraine, or have been able to show, shape public opinion around Ukraine, you know. Um, I think they'll so, have more success with shaping public opinion against China than they have had against Russia. Yeah, well, they've had a lot of a lot of success with shaping public opinion against Russia. Go and ask anybody in the street, like, you know what I mean? Especially, and it doesn't extend to just the past year, it's, it's over the past Freaking sinophobia um, trips off years. people's tongues quicker than russophobia. Yeah, in I the U- in the US, in the US, yeah. I think Maybe so. only recently since since Putin. I don't know. The problem is there's since the know, Wu flu and Wuhan. They did the COVID and all that. Yeah, um, I think it's probably equal, and it's it's 
it's that's telling, you know what I mean? Because uh, China and Russia are America's, America's sick enemies. of Russia Gate, and they associate any mention of that word now with that's mm. all, it's all bullshit. Ukraine, hmm. Yeah, but Putin, like bullshit but Putin invaded Ukraine. He's an evil man. They got a spike. They got mass support, public, probably majority support at the beginning, but that's been a downward trajectory since then. People are looking away from it, but not necessarily informing themselves about what's really happening, right? I don't, I don't see any people waking up to um, the reality of the situation in Ukraine, right? Do you? Obviously, there's people who are already I do, aware, but aware. maybe it's my Twitter bubble. Well, you have to. I'm, ta- I'm thinking here in terms of the general population. You know, yeah. if you went to the, the average, you know, average uh, suburban uh, enclave or whatever in, 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 you know, America, and ask them, ask anybody what they thought about Putin specifically. Hmm. What do you think of Putin? I would be very surprised if I didn't get bad man. You know, from the average person. But then maybe those people who have these canned responses aren't really that important anyway. You know, in, in terms of what they think isn't really that important, except that it allows um, their acquiescence or their believing of, of bullshit lies and narrative and propaganda uh, allows for the powers to be to do what they want, basically, like, you know, funnel weapons in Ukraine, prolong a war, cause massive suffering and death, etc. And, you know, and, and, you know, potentially irreparably damage the global economy, you know, Um but, you know, it's, there's no point in asking someone. Like, they don't have, people like that don't have an informed opinion. You know what I mean? In the sense that you could ask them, what do you think of Putin? They'd say, bad man. And then you'd ask them to elaborate a bit, and they can't elaborate. You know, so they don't have a, you know what I mean? That, uh, a detailed opinion, just like what they get from the news, you know? Um, I saw a Gallup poll or something like that. And Russia being an issue was like about 1%. Whereas 90 said the economy or... Right. But that's always been... The, well, for a long time, that's been the case. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, I have to separate out what you think of someone and whether or not he's a problem for your country right now. You How would you mean? rate these problems? Yeah, in terms of what's most important to you, like, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah. But that, I think that's always been the case, you know. For a very long time, people always think, of, especially you know, in any country, are more about, you know, their personal issues or personal problems at home, you know. Um, do you know what today is the 20th? Anniversary of the vile speech, Powell's vile speech. A very pun dirt, intended. A very dirty speech. Yeah. On this day, twenty years ago, this guy, who Colon Powell, Colon, this guy who went to the UN, <coughs> if you remember, um, and he uh, did that. Basically, that was his, ar- that, that was his argument. Yeah, it had aspirin in it, I think. Um, but he held it up as an example of this much anthrax could would be enough to take down fifteen overweight Americans. Um, yeah, or, or it's hard to believe it's twenty years ago. Yeah, twenty years ago. So. Um, he, he, I mean, arguably, just 20 years ago, that, that day, him doing that, him propagating that big lie, basically, obviously, he's talking about Iraq there as well. It was to justify the invasion of Iraq uh, and occupation of Iraq um, post 9-11, where Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11, but he decided <laughs> somehow they went from, you know, the Twin Towers being, planes flying into the Twin Towers to uh, this dude you know, less than two years later, sitting in the UN, holding up a little vial of aspirin and saying, 
uh, Saddam has chemical weapons, and this is a, a facsimile, uh, like an example of what a chemical weapon might look like if you know you made it at home or something. Uh, and this much can kill so many people, and this is why we need to invade Iraq. And you know, the whole world really has gone to hell since then. And he didn't believe it. You no, know, he spoke to his deputy Wilkerson. Yeah. Afterwards, and he didn't believe it. He himself. called the people he, he pushing did for that. it. He did that knowing he was lying. Yeah, conscious lying. He since died. So um, yeah, he good. he in in years in years since then COVID, the COVID got him or any of the vax. Years since then, he um he he said that the people who ultimately were who were pushing for that war invasion of Iraq were he specifically and I quote the phrase he used were fucking crazies. He's only called he called them fucking crazies. Um. So, if it was the COVID that killed him, how ironic then that if the Chinese conspiracy theory is correct, it was a the US that killed him. Uh, WMD killed him. Yeah. Damn. Damn. I wonder if he's sitting up in uh, in heaven, uh, wondering about that. Going, damn, fuck. That's ironic, man. <laughs> Jeez. If only I could go back and. <clears throat> talk to myself. 20 years later, the, the Tinpok dictator of Ukraine is speaking virtually at the UN, holding up vials like that and saying, there's no way that's going to last me through the night. Send more. Mm-hmm. Lots more. And speaking of neocons, because obviously, well, kind of speaking of neocons, you see the, because obviously neocons were the ones, you know, the, the Cheney, Rumsfeld, um, Wolfowitz, Crystal uh, were the people who were pu- who pushed for the other ones who did the project for the New American Century or pr- penned the project for the New American Century and uh, basically a plan to project American power because, you know, in a post-Cold War world, in the late 90s, they're writing post-Cold War world, you know, America has, um, if America doesn't do something, they, they foresaw basically the rise of Russia and the rise of China, particularly the rise of Russia, and it's... Uh, its ability to to gain power and influence control over the Middle East. And uh, in that context, if America didn't do something about it in the near future, they're writing again here in the 1990s saying we need that America was going to fail as a, as a global empire, as a global hegemon. They needed to do something about, about it, and they needed to project American power around the world to strategic, strategic areas, uh, one of the primary one being uh, the Middle East. So they wrote that in the late 90s, 1999, that kind of, those kind of papers were, were 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 written and released by these neocons. But a year later, Bush is in power, and a year after that, nine eleven, and they have their new Pearl Harbor type event that gets them gets allows them to do what they what they had written about just a, a few years previously, about needing to be done, needing need, that America needed to do, which is project its armed forces uh, around the world and you know, boots on the ground. So, um, but so one of them, Chris, uh, what do you call him? What's his first name? Um, Crystal, Crystal. Um, his first name should be Crystal. Uh, this dude. Irving. Is it Irving? Some it's, of them are, on, they, there's brothers Bill, and cousins. Bill, Bill Crystal. So he's a oh, neocon type. And he, here's just getting back to the balloon thing. Here's what he, his in that inane statement on, on the balloon. 
If the balloon had anti-black history messages stenciled on it, or if it were dropping anti-trans pamphlets down to earth, or if it were broadcasting denunciations of wokeness non-stop, MAGA would be pro-balloon. They'd be welcoming the balloon. They'd be worshipping the balloon. I mean, talk about being irrelevant and being an anachronism, basically. That guy... Hey, Bill, you know, the late 1990s are calling and they want you back. And so do we want you to go back there because you're really, I mean, that's what he lowers himself to. Like, uh, you know, pathetic, you know, you know, you know, left, right politicking over and, and using shitty, stupid analogies. I mean, yeah. this guy's a, this guy's supposedly, look what he, look what he, obviously he's promoting all the things there that he's, you know, accusing uh, MAGA of. Of, of being n- not yeah, liking, yeah. Uh, he's promoting those things. Obviously, he's in, in support of those. And this guy's a he, he's a, a neocon. He's a neoconservative. Mm-hmm. He's a new conservative, and he's attacking conservatives. Well, he, the reason they were neo was because they were leaving behind nativist, isolationist conservatism, right? To conservatism of conserving the post-war order, conserving the global order. Hence, yeah. Conserving America's hegemony, which somehow involves promoting transgender. It's at the leading edge of the whole of that way. And minority the United rights. States embassies. <laughs> it literally comes from their embassies. The propaganda, he's talking about propaganda leaflets. They come out of U.S. embassies. How do you, how do you, how do you maintain your position as global hegemon through by queering the planet, um, promotion of queering the planet and uh, promoting non-binary, transgender, uh, and minority. If, you're, discrimination if you were doing it consciously, politics. that is, you didn't really believe it was actually for the betterment of people, and that it would have del- deleterious effects. If you were consciously aware of that and doing it, it's probably fitting with your meta theory last week, in which the U.S. is gearing up to take the whole planet down economically. If you know, if you can't, if I can't have it, you can't either. Russia and China and Iran, etc., are rising. So we need to knock out some pillars in the global economy to prevent any pure competitor from supplanting us as global hegemon. So this would be part of it. This would be a cultural, cultural element, war, cult, cultural aspect of it to, del- to consciously and deliberately wreck the natural order elsewhere. That's maybe that's assuming too much, though. I mean. Um, these people are. Who was it? Yeah, well, you know, if I can't remember. I'm mixing different ideas, but my own, I think I have to quote myself. They're kind of alien. They're kind of not with us. Bush mm. said, "You're with us or you're against us." Like by their actions, they really do set themselves apart from the rest of the species. Mm. There's variation, of course. There's cultural relativism. You know, not everywhere's the same. But there's a lot of things people sh- from Indonesia to Russia to Western Europe share in common. Some Americans, or a good chunk of them, or a lot of them, or most of them, I don't know, but they really are different. <laughs> and when he can say something like that and have it make sense to his audience, maybe half of Americans, they are not long gone. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was just thinking the same thing myself. Mm. The rest of us look and go, that's pathological. Like, you're outside of normal discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't relate to that. We know what you're alluding to because we've been aware of the other kinds of things you've been saying in recent years, but we're not with you on that, mate. Um, that doesn't make any sense. 
WTF. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I suppose then it, it's, well, look at what we know from, uh, others of, I think researchers say, you know, at the end of Rome, late stage Rome, like, mm-hmm. um, sexual mores going whew, all over the place in similar ways. Um, just kind of adult cultural, um, cultural degradation resulting from material excess. Um, and a lack of suffering slash meaning to keep, to maintain purpose mm-hmm. and going forwards. America's thus far has been great at going forwards, you know, all the way up to space exploration, you know, progress developing in, a, in, in positive senses of those words. But now it has the same dry, industrial drive, psychological deep rooted drive to messianically propel themselves and everyone else forwards but the goals are like apparent abhorrent and aberrant to mm-hmm. the rest of the species mm-hmm. and they're beginning to, they're articulating it more and more we, we've seen the russians are at the forefront of articulating a, a backlash in uh, no a kind of kind of countercultural to this development mm-hmm. um, but there are others too there's a well, you would probably expect it from Hungary. Hungarian minister lashes out at U.S. ambassador for meddling in. Let's open it up. I think it was me- for meddling on issues of social issues in Hungary. Um, nobody can tell Hungary citizens how they should live. Foreign minister Peter Shijarto says... Um, he issued a scathing rebuke of the U.S. ambassador to Budapest on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you hear what he said? Exactly. The ambassador or the minister? The foreign, Turkish foreign minister. Oh, no, that's the Turkey. That's a different Oh, issue. sorry, you're this talking is, about... This is in Hungary. Hungary, yeah. Um, can you scroll down? When asked to respond... Oh, well, maybe it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't about social issues, was it? It was about Hungary's stance on Ukraine. Okay, so that doesn't count. Nobody can tell us how, how <clears throat> tell us from the outside how to live. It is of no interest when it's, what a citizen of another country, be it an ambassador, think, thinks about the domestic political process in Hungary. Yeah, well, that's it. Okay, definitely. Me, that was over Ukraine. So that, that wasn't about... Um, but Hungary, you know, everyone knows Hungary's been bashed one way, the, up, up one way and down the other especially by Brussels, threatening sanctions over social policy, internal social policy issues. Yeah. So, and yeah, Turkey, the Turkish foreign minister took a swipe, pretty serious swipe as well. This is, this is relates to the, um, to the burning of the Quran in Sweden. Of course, mm-hmm. the background to that is that, uh, Turkey is stopping Sweden, supposedly stopping Sweden's, so I won't agree to Sweden's accession to the EU or to the, to NATO. Um, because, Turkey says that the Swedish government is basically harboring Turkish or Kurdish terrorists and they want them extradited to Turkey. And the Swedes apparently don't want to do that. And Turkey saying, well, then if you don't do that, you're not getting, we're not going to agree to uh, Sweden's admission to NATO. And then recently, over the past couple of weeks, there's been some dude that was accused of being a Russian. Uh, <laughs> Actually, a Russian, a Russian agent or something, which is obviously 
everybody I don't like is Russian. Uh, some guy in Sweden was burning the Quran, um, supposedly representing, you know, uh, as an attack against and an, an, an associated with a, with a denunciation of Turkey uh, on the part of the Kurds in in Sweden, and because Turkey's belligerent attitude towards Kurdish people are Kurdish, as they call them, terrorists in, in Sweden. Anyway, uh, this this just a few days ago was uh, from um, a Turkish foreign minister. Actually, you can. What we gonna do? The interior minister. Sorry, uh, I think he's Suleiman Soylu. Yes, yeah, sorry, interior minister, not foreign minister. I have the RT story on it, or one of them. He had they have two. Yeah, well, he said two things at two events, but this is middle Middle East A, but. Uh, just take, put that one up for a second. Take your dirty hands off Turkey, Ankara's interior minister tells U.S. envoy. He hit out at the U.S. ambassador in Ankara after Washington and eight European countries issued travel warnings over possible terror attacks in Turkey. Again, uh, if you scroll down, it just mentions the fact that... Um, well, actually, it's pretty interesting. Turkey interior minister railed against the U.S. ambassador, telling him to take his dirty hands off Turkey. He's, uh, he's an ardent critic of the United States, whom he blames for the 2006 military coup attempt which we also blame the Americans for, uh, military coup attempt in Turkey in 2016. That was, you know, uh, Erdogan's butt was saved allegedly by uh, Putin or by Russia, who gave him intelligence about an upcoming attempt to to take him out, basically, as part of the, the attempted coup in 2016. So the US, along with eight European countries, temporarily closed embassies and consulates in Turkey or issued travel warnings after the Quran-burning protests in Europe. Uh, the guy, this interior minister says, every U.S. ambassador who arrives in Turkey is hurrying to find out how, how to make a coup possible in Turkey, said Soylu, uh, referring to U.S. Ambassador Jeffrey Flake. I addressed the U.S. ambassador from here. I know the journalists you made write articles, he said. Just play the video there since it's a bit more uh, instructive. American uh, American Pis ellerini Türkiye'nin üzerinden çek. Çok net söylüyorum. Pis ellerini Türkiye'nin üzerinden çek. Hangi adımları attırdığınızı, Türkiye'yi nasıl karıştırmak istediğinizi net bir şekilde biliyoruz. O pis ellerinizi, o maskeli, sırıtan yüzlerinizi Türkiye'nin üzerinden çekiniz. Bu kadar açık bir net. Those grinning, grinning mass faces. I'm telling you, they see them more and more like aliens. <laughs> yeah. um, well, well, he's talking there about the COVID. They're still pursing the whole. Oh, was he? I, th- I think I, so. I thought yeah. he meant more like you come here with your smiles. Well, maybe. But you're doing something else. I, I read something else from that. It, you mentioned. So the thing was the US and several other European countries. Yeah, I think it was maybe what issued- you said. Suggested people don't travel because of possible upcoming security threats, terrorist attacks. Because of this. And he's like, like, you bastard. They did that on the day that they were, Turkey was, I think this speech he gave there, where they were announcing they were reopening to tourists in a big way. Mm -hmm. They hope to attract millions more tourists back, especially from the West. And he's like, you bastards, you just completely undermine what we're trying to do. But there's more to that. I think he's the guy who gave an impromptu press conference outside at the location where there was a terrorist attack in Istanbul last month. And he basically said, I know America is behind this. Mm -hmm. I know American agents caused the bomb to go off. I know that you did this to us. Mm-hmm. So they, there, there's, there's a lot to this. Like, and 
that he's obviously referencing 2016, but he's, he's also saying, and more and more, this is normal everyday speech in public discourse in Turkey that the Americans and or others mm-hmm. conduct terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just random Islamists yeah. who, who, who want to do jihad. Right. And that, that, that bomb in Istanbul uh, last month, in the middle of November, um, they, you know, officially accused the PKK, the Kurdish uh, kind of workers party, right, that the Turkey, Turks have had a long-term uh, problem with because the Kurds want, you know, well, Turkey, the Kurds have long wanted uh, independence uh, by way of, uh, not independence, but way, but essentially an enclave, an independent enclave in uh, in part of Turkey, in the north of Turkey, north and east of Turkey. So um, this is Turkey's long-term problem with the Kurds and Kurdish terrorism, uh, as they describe it. Um, and they accused in that, that bombing in, in Istanbul, they claimed it was, you know, the PKK, but like you said, at the same time, they said, we know who the PKK are getting help from effectively and who are, they're being facilitated by and, you know, pointed to America effectively, you know. So, um, it's interesting, you know, because, you know, it, it had its fact that, that Turkey has a legitimate concern here, you know what I mean? It's not just, uh, about wanting the extradition of who they, the, People they claim are, are Kurdish terrorists being ensconced in uh, Sweden, but rather that there's you know fairly regular, relatively regular uh, actual bombings and attacks in uh, major Turkish cities that are yeah sometimes and sometimes not claimed by the PKK yeah um, so it's not just a you know it's not just Turkey being upset because of burnt Korans of course not no there's real concern for bomb attacks going off in Istanbul Um, in in the RT write up I have uh, he also said Suleiman that European nations were quote run by American diplomats Mm -hmm. I mean these people are in a position to know apart from like one or two parliamentary reports about Operation Gladio in Mm -hmm. 1990 1991 and I quickly went to bed as soon as you know that made the Cold War was the Cold War playbook was closed by the US, so that yeah. was the end of any discussion of those. Well, in the nineties in Turkey, they didn't end it there. It's the only country in NATO stand that went full hog with deep investigations, and they call it the Ergenicon Network. Right, stay behind NATO system. Yeah, it took a well. Is it even gone? Probably, possibly not. Oh, There's still US nukes there. Look what happened in 2016. That caused mass arrests. Eighteen thousand people were rounded up for questioning mm-hmm. in Turkey. But you can you can imagine how, what what you can do when you have access to a country for half a century. You know. Yeah. But uh, no country in NATO went further than Turkey in doing something about it or keeping it in check and or being aware of it and just sharing it with the public. All the other governments like Western Europe, there's just chicken hot, there's chicken shit. They just, they just buried and go, well, okay, we won't talk about it, we won't tell anyone. It'll mm. be a conspiracy theory between us, you know. But there they actually care when a bomb goes off and kills their own people. They don't go like French... French official, I mean, who was it? Manuel Valls, after what, like a Paris uh, Bataclan atrocity? He's like, well, you know, we're just going to have to get used to these things, aren't yeah, we? Exactly, yeah. They would never do that in Turkey. Right. So they at least care a bit more. The less, you know, Frankenstein, the less like non-human aliens, <laughs> cycles, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so 
they, they, it's going to be it's going to be a showdown. I think. I mean, maybe maybe they can agree to disagree and they'll just leave NATO. Um, I don't think the U.S. can physically. They already tried it, didn't they? Twenty sixteen to get rid of to do regime change, but you know, there's other ways that they can operate. The Turkish lira's. Uh, not great. Inflation is like fifty five percent. They have financial problems. I'm sure that's largely externally manipulated. Right. Um, uh, on similar news, uh, Bloomberg reports uh, Turkey and United Arab Emirates ordered to cut trade with Russia. Um. I don't have the I have the RT report, but it's based on the Bloomberg report. Mm-hmm. Um, U.S. Treasury official reportedly argued that attempts to damage the Russian economy are being hampered and singled out Turkey and the UAE. Yeah, well, they haven't. The UAE hasn't imposed sanctions. Um, okay, against Russia. Um, and who was this? Brian Nelson, Undersecretary for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence at the U.S. Treasury. So he visits Turkey last week mm-hmm. in the midst of this spat. Yeah. So if you if you give the two fingers to the ambassador on security issues over here, while you're doing that, your interior minister is doing that. Brian Nelson, undersecretary of the, the U.S. Treasury, is flying in over here mm. and, and talking to someone else in your yeah, government. You, it's Roman. You, they're all over the place. You, yeah. you, it's, well, it's empire. You know, it's, it's, it's prefects, Roman prefects, fly, you know, flying around or traveling around the empire trying to shore up uh, like the crumbling ed- edifice, you know, the, the crumbling structures of, of empire and, and more and more the the... The areas of empire under under imperial rule are are rebelling. You know, they're they're pushing back. You know, um, it's it's time. it's bizarre it- when you people take just take it as a as a you know normal given. They they they've normalized it a long time before now. Uh, but like it was just some article or some headline talking about how maybe it was with Blinken going over to supposedly before his. He, he postponed it, his trip to China. I was part of it was to go and talk about, you know, putting pressure on, on China to uh, impose sanctions or keep up with sanctions or to not be flouting sanctions against Russia, you know. If you think about that, if you remove, you know, if you get out of the kind of headspace of, 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 the, of the 20th century, let's say, or the last 100 years that we've, we've lived in and, and how the world looks to you, just think about that where you have one country way over the other side of the world demanding that another country stop or, or get on board with its sanctions against a one of its country. allies, a third country, who's in, involved in a, in, in, a, in a war for its own, its own defense or its own protection of the Russians, Russian slim. Its own interest. Yeah, and to, to like think that you can... Go over there and, you know, kind of carry a big stick and enforce other force like a country like China to impose sanctions on someone that it doesn't want to impose sanctions on because it serves America's interests and that that's normal. You know, everybody thinks that's normal. Everybody thinks that well, anybody America sanctioning must be it must be bad, right? And that all of America's sanctions are are, are justified and and you know uh, and right, you know, and it's just bizarre. It used know? to work with through, <clears throat> through bribes. 
Remember that from Economic Hitman yeah. by John Perkins. But it's not working anymore. Bribes aren't enough. They don't attract the right people in the target countries anymore. Right. Because they see there's a lot, they see a lot more developmental potential mm-hmm. if they turn down the bribe and instead conduct the very trade Washington does not want to see happen. Look at this one here from them. Um, this is all impossible. They're trying to do the impossible. This is just one article. I, I'll mention another one as Scotty's putting this headline up. Um, Russian LNG sales are through the roof, mm-hmm. 12% up over last year. So even in the very field that they're supposed to lose from because the pipelines were blown up or shut down or sanctioned a shit out of, Russia's just like, well, we'll fill in the vacuum. Everyone else is doing LNG. So their own LNG sales mm-hmm. are through the roof. Yeah. Um, like and, America's are and, and, and other countries. At a different sphere. Russia ramps up global food exports. Supplies have exceeded 70 million tons in 2022. Mm-hmm. That's a jump of 12% in monetary terms to the year before. Yeah. You know, it, let's, let's, take let's, part, let's, part let's crush it. Russia. And then the results of that attempt, let's, the uh, whack-a-mole attempt, produces the opposite reaction. In fact, there's more trading, more dealing going on. Yeah, exports of oil and fat products. And dairy, grain exports increased by 14%. Oil and fat products soared by 26%. But that's, that's probably filling in the, the shortfall from Ukraine. You know, so basically Russia is getting Ukraine's business right now. You know, you could see that as well. That's pretty convenient for Russia, right? They just took Ukraine as a, as a, as a fairly large uh, wheat and, and oil, uh, seed oil exporter out of the market. And it's taken taking the taking the business you know but uh, the central point of all that is to prop up the US dollar right of course um, make sure it remains the dominant right. world reserve currency it still is the case like 90% used in all trades everywhere mm-hmm. but take a look at the next headline central bank gold mining soars to 55 year high mm-hmm. So even like, there is such a thing as an objective market. The market does go up and down. It, it's not, com- it's not controlled completely. It is right. a thing to itself. Plus, you end up having central bankers who sh- make shake your hand and take the bribe, and they're on your side. But even their own actions at the desk in Switzerland or wherever, they don't produce the results in the market they they intend you mm-hmm. know yeah because yeah the market has to keep operating and despite your sanctions this, basically what this is telling us real is economy. the bankers out there of the world are not trusting in the faith full faith and credit of the u.s dollar no, more and more of them are going yeah they're trying to trying to secure their positions by by investing in gold yeah but interestingly gold doesn't increase you know uh, gold purchasing soared by 18% in 2022, but uh, the price of gold didn't go up 18% in 2022. You know, so usually demand uh, will increase the price, right? That's how the market works, right? Demand increases the price, apparently not for gold or silver. You know, someone, and obviously that claim has been made for a very long time, that the price of gold and silver and other precious metals is kept artificially low. Uh, for various different reasons. Um, but... Um, yeah. Uh, um, Bojo was caught in a flagrant lie this week. Yeah. All about, uh, he's going to be a laser beam. A laser beam was going to be shot at him I from the Kremlin. Should, can we play it? Because oh, it's Christ. a lie. Yeah. It's like, 
other leaders they they equivocate they mislead misspeak etc etc you know they they're they're politicians they're good at trying to convince you of something but not going too far because they know they could be caught in the lie this little shite is rather large shite actually um just just lied big wobbly buffoon it's just it's outright lied um well there's a couple of things that expose the lie one is that um someone who was there said that's not what it said but there's more than that so well that's the response um from peskov above let's have a listen to bojo telling bbc what boris said to him boris you you say that uh ukraine is is not going to join nato anytime soon he said it in english anytime soon what is anytime soon and i said well it's not going to join nato for the foreseeable future Uh, you know that perfectly well it it, it fundamentally it wasn't about you know he he sort of he threatened me at one point and said you know uh, boris i don't want to hurt you but uh with a missile it would only take a minute or something like that you know uh you know jolly uh but i think from the jolly. the very relaxed tone it's an actual video of this phone call uh the sort of air of detachment that he seemed to have he was just playing along uh, with my attempts to get him to negotiate right so he attempted to water down the potential imp- impact of what Johnson had just claimed by saying well i don't think he was serious and he didn't mean it you know he was just trying to get me to negotiate but anyone who knows putin and the kinds of thing he says in public and in private because he knows that he can no longer rely on those conversations to be kept private knows that he never would never threaten it like someone to their face like openly yeah and the, the british media took that bbc clip of an interview with johnson and the, the headlines were that putin on the eve of the war last year had threatened to nuke london so it, they obviously take the lie one step further but uh it's interesting that um what peskov said in response i was listening on the call um no that wasn't said at all either he misunderstood what was said or more likely he's just outright lying um Scholz was asked this week in germany um you had a call with putin just before was there anything like that said, no quote putin did not threaten me or germany yeah so but he saved his he saved his threat for uh, for boris you know because boris is so special um and uh, in, in in related news uh, liz truss the short-lived erstwhile who uh UK prime minister there for a couple of weeks uh, last year she had a talk with putin and he threatened to shoot her with a laser <laughs> she didn't really say that did she, she did a laser beam yeah <laughs> he said you know liz uh i don't want to hurt you but i have space based laser with your name on it uh one wrong move from you liz and you toast literally toast he I- said that's why she just shot. She, that's why she, she left. She freaked out like, oh my wow. God, I don't want to die by laser, by Putin laser, so I'm leaving. That's the secret behind why she actually was only there for six weeks or so. Um, that's breaking news there. You can take that to the bank, people. Um, I heard it here first. Um, <laughs> she actually said in a an op-ed somewhere, the Times, that um, 
or they're serializing her memoirs or something. She left because of a left wing establishment conspiracy mm. to Ooster. Mm. Of course. Um, but that, that may actually have some truth to it. Cause you remember that at the time, the bank of England w- w- was up to shenanigans initially giving her an okay for her drastic revive the economy plan. But then when she published it, the basic outline of the de- of the plan, mm-hmm. they were like, "Ah, oh, no, this is not good. The, the panda's sinking. Oh, oh, oh my God, she has to go." So there was something like that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see? Um, maybe if I'm not going to find it. The former um, former Israeli Prime Minister. Probably didn't recognize them. They've, they've been, they've been, uh, really prime ministers have been in and out fairly quickly in the past few years. But, uh, Naftali Bennett, uh, gave an interview. Who did he give an interview to? I don't know who exactly it was, but he gave an interview talking and the media are actually covering it. Uh, but the, the main, the, if you look at, look up, if you put his name in the Google search for news, whatever, uh, you'll see that, uh, the headlines are all about Putin. He said he's talking about, given it to you, he's talking about his time as prime minister and because it was over the last, because Netanyahu just got back in. So he was the prime minister for most of last year. And, um, and so he's talking about the Ukraine and the main headlines you'll see with his, that refer to him in the past day or two is uh, Putin promised me he would not kill Zelensky. So this is part of the interview where where I actually said that that he had a talk and he with Putin and he asked Putin what did he say here? Uh, Bennett says I asked, are you planning to kill Zelensky? Putin said I won't kill Zelensky, and then I said to him I have to understand that you're giving me your word that you won't kill Zelensky, and Putin said I'm not going to kill Zelensky, at least not with the laser. No, he didn't say that. Part. Putin said Bennett said he then called the Ukrainian leader. On this, on his way to Moscow's airport, uh, and he told him, Putin's not going to kill you. And Zelensky said, Are you sure? And I told him, Yes, 100%. He won't kill you. And then. But look out for lasers. <laughs> uh, but watch out for lasers. He won't kill you, but he might toast, he might, he might, you know, warm you up a little bit with a laser. No. So then apparently, Zelensky, at that time, Zelensky, this was at the, be- this was, this was in the beginning of, in March, not long after the special military operation. Um, and uh, Zelensky at the time was in a bunker because he thought he was going to be taken out you know that there was a threat of him being taken out at, at the beginning you know so then after he got this assurance from Bennett supposedly via Putin that he wouldn't be killed Zelensky crawled out of his bunker and was on TV saying I don't, I'm not afraid of anything I'm here to, for the duration and we're going to nuke Moscow uh, but in that same interview and you won't find this it's weird because they re- refer to the interview and they obviously these journalists, Western media journalists, watched the, the interview. In that same interview, um, Bennett says that there were 17 different uh, kind of possible treaties. I think 17 different possible treaties that Ukraine and Russia had signed in the background as the kind of SMO oh, before yeah. and after the SMO mm-hmm. began, and i.e. peace treaties. Mm-hmm. And that according to Bennett, uh, they were nixed by Western countries. So any possibility of peace breaking out fairly quickly after the beginning of Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine was nixed definitively by 
Western yeah. governments because they're the ones who want the conflict in Ukraine yeah. and they want it to keep going yeah. despite the interests of the Ukrainian people. Yeah. And this, this supports the, the, this supports the idea that there, there were basically thus far two phases to Russia's SMO. The first one where they had massive inroads towards Kiev up through the center were designed to spook. And they did. It had the effect of forcing discussion. Then they were next, mm-hmm. and then we moved into phase two. Mm-hmm. So it succeeded. People were like, oh, the Russians suck. Oh, they had to flee Kiev. Well, mm-hmm. no, it actually succeeded in getting what they saw. But y'all took it to phase two. Washington and London, primarily. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so you have, to, you have to dig for it. You can find the interview itself. Um, but, of course... Um, it's only in other, either Russian sources or other non-Western sources, uh, like this one. This is TASS, which is a Russian news agency. Um, basically, uh, the Russian foreign ministry spokes, uh, what do you call her, Zakharova, recalled that Bennett, who acted as a mediator between Russia and Ukraine at the beginning of the special operation, said that all of his actions had been agreed in detail with the United States, Germany, and France. She slammed Israeli foreign minister, prime minister, Israeli former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's remark that talks between Russia and Ukraine at the beginning of the special military operation were interrupted by Western countries as another confession. Mm. She's pissed off that basically only now, Mm. a year later, almost a year later, is he admitting and speaking up about the fact that, uh, because speaking up about the fact that the West is directly complicit in preventing peace in Ukraine shortly after the Russians actually, or even before the Russians uh, began their special military operation, says that she, she recalled that Bennett, who acted as a mediator between Russia and Ukraine at the beginning of the SMO, said that all of his actions had been agreed in detail with the United States, Germany, and France. They interrupted the talks, he said. The former Israeli Prime Minister, she noted, also said that at some point the West decided to crush Russian President Vladimir Putin rather than to negotiate. Yet another confession, Zakharova wrote on her Telegram channel. I have a question. Does that make Washington and London party to the war? What? Initiating it? Well, blocking, extending, turning a war from phase one to phase two <laughs> and being depends. the sole reason for it. Well, we talked about this last week. It depends what your definition of party to the war is. You know? uh, Tobias Elwood, you know him, MP, big shot, Tory senior backbencher. Uh, he said definitively on BBC last week, we are at war with Russia. We, Britain, are in direct war with Russia. Yeah. Uh, just on, on that same interview, uh, Bennett also said that it was in, in terms of asking Putin, uh, are you going to kill Zelensky and promise me you won't kill Zelensky? Is this your word now? You're not going to kill Zelensky? And Putin's like, yes, listen, I'm not going to kill Zelensky. Don't worry about it. Uh, Bennett said that it was Zelensky who asked Bennett to raise that topic with Putin. He's like, listen, really Prime Minister, Mr. Prime Minister of Israel, can you get on the phone with Putin and just ask him if he's going to kill me or not? Because <laughs> I'd like to know, because this bunker is getting a bit claustrophobic and I'd like to be able to come out and can you get me some assurances that he's not going to kill me? <laughs> can you imagine that? I mean, two supposedly warring parties, you know, and the leader of one of the warring parties is asking a third party to ask the enemy, can you ask him not to kill me, please? Well, I think it's interesting that it's the Israeli and that Zelensky, the Israeli PM, and that the Zelensky also being Jewish, um, 
is comfortable enough to act on that. He sees in that a, a form of guarantor, guarantee, um, that indeed, if Putin has given his word to Israel, chances are he'll keep it because, you know, yeah. Israel is, you know, first among equals. Yeah, yeah. The house, house rules, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, Israel so, has a vested, and Netanyahu said that recently, like, uh, in terms of, in, in, on the topic of whether or not Israel is going to send its Iron Dome talk about Israel's Iron Dome being sent to Ukraine, you know, and he's saying, well, we'll have to think about that and stuff. And he said specifically that we have other considerations in terms of whether or not to supply offensive weapons to Ukraine because uh, he, not so many words. He said that both Russian and Israeli air forces use Syrian airspace are active in Syrian airspace and are, you know, quite in quite close proximity. And the Israelis obviously are using Syrian airspace to attack, um, Iran mm. to, in quote unquote self-defense. Um, so they effectively need to keep on good terms with Russia, uh, in order to continue to have a, it's, it's a simple, peaceable it's a simple equation. In, in, the better their relations with Russia, the more stable Iran. Not the more the more stable and the more the them. more the more of a free hand they have yeah. in terms of attacking Iran, uh, specifically yeah. by 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 Syria. You know what I mean? Um, if if things ever soured seriously between Syria and or between Israel and Russia, there may be problems in terms of uh, you know uh, both of them operating uh, peaceably over Syrian Syrian airspace and in Syria specifically. You know? Yeah. So it's all a bit uh, it's all a bit messed up. Um, Putin was in Volgograd uh, for the 80th anniversary of Stalingrad. The city has been renamed the Red Army Victory there. Um, yeah, that was in the news for its own reason. The Western media again interpreted his statements as Putin threatens the nucleus. He didn't know such thing. He just said, well, he, I suppose you could take that implication he was saying okay so now they've agreed to send german tanks and he noted the symbolism of it. once again we'll have german tanks in ukraine mm -hmm. manned by banderites with the iron cross on the side of them obviously he's speaking of stalingrad so he's going to note that but they should understand that um what did he say they should understand that it's not it's not tanks will be replying replying with or something like that mm -hmm. so, but so there was something else that happened there that was curious. I don't know. It's it may have been a nothing burger, but let's see if we can get it. This is reported in the Daily Mail, but they're getting it from a Russian Telegram channel, which I couldn't find. Actually, they they claim it's what the headline up. I've I've excerpted the text. The Daily Mail is like a casino online, if, especially if you have the ads. You have to have the ads on because. They no longer, you can't use an ad blocker on this website or it won't work at all. Oh, look, it looks reasonably normal. Okay. Headline, Putin is buzzed by color-changing UFO spotted by four Russian planes as he makes speech threatening nuclear war against the, the West. Or he didn't threaten nuclear war against the West, but whatever. Um, so the details in it are uh, Aviators China Telegram Channel. It came from Telegram Channel, yeah. Reported, the crew of an Airbus A321 of S7 Airlines operating a flight from Sochi to Moscow 12 minutes before reaching Volgograd at an altitude of 10,000 meters reported that they observed 
an unidentified flying object at right angles to the plane on its left side. The object was supposedly changing color and height and direction of movement. Um, oh, this channel, this channel, oh, aviator channel, that makes sense. The channel monitors air incidents, and it added later that the crews of Aerofloat, a different flight, uh, Su-1125, and a Russia flight SU-6358, confirmed this information after themselves flying on approach or departure from Volgograd. The Russia plane crew assessed the distance of the UFO at around 125 miles. The sightings were reported to air traffic control. Um, mm-hmm. Permission to use the airspace was not issued. Uh, the S-7 crew reported the timing at 1908 Moscow time on Thursday. Uh which is around three hours after Putin's arrival in Volgograd and occurred as he took part in the commemorations. Mm-hmm. Basically when he was giving that speech. I don't know. It's just maybe, maybe nothing. Maybe something. It reminds me of the the, mis- the nuclear missile silos in the 50s and 60s in the US getting buzzed mm-hmm. every time they went weapons hot for tests or something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, I have one last one. Do you have much more you want to talk about? Well, we were laughing at the fireball that didn't happen. Well, the, the near-miss asteroid they were tracking last week. Yeah. Since then, there was a spectacular actual meteor fireball over Siberia. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if we want to... You got some video? Play. I have some, yeah. Um, Show the video. Just so people know what we're dealing with. Southern Siberia, not far from Chelyabinsk, actually. Um, no, a different city, um, Krasnoyorsk. But this is video, CCTV, and other mobile cams mm-hmm. um, from the city. Where's the video? Well, it's four of them. Do they play here? Can you play one of them? They look like just screenshots, no? Oh, they're videos, yeah. Okay. You have to open and expand a bit. Yeah. There you go. Show me the fireball. Yeah, that's a good example. Like, that's not a shooting star, you know what I mean? Uh, people know what shooting stars are like the little pinpricks yeah. flying across the sky, like the meteor showers, whatever they call them. That happen once a year. But... This, uh, th- th- these are obviously, and th- and just in case anybody doesn't know, this kind of thing has been seen that to that extent as well. They're pretty. That one's pretty impressive, but mo- there's a lot of others are equally impressive over the past uh, over the past few years that have been equally impressive, and the, the number of them has been increasing, ex- not exponentially necessarily, but year on year for the past ten years, more and more and more and more, and. That one we were talking about last last week, where there was it was in the media about this little meteorite, this little asteroid asteroid that was seen, uh, or that was being tracked by a by, you know, or they were attempting to track it, and they had some video. I actually watched it late in the evening. Uh, its closest pass was going to be two thousand miles above the surface of the Earth and stuff. And in reports on that, they said, "Don't worry, it's not going to hit the Earth, um, because if it and if it did anyway, it would just burn up." In, mm-hmm. a, in a in a bit of a fireball, and that would be it. So they make a big deal about this one that isn't going to actually get in 
close enough and come into the atmosphere to burn, burn up, up and make a big deal about it. Oh, look, we're seeing it fly by. While almost weekly, you have obviously have asteroids that size and possibly bigger doing what you've just seen in those videos, i.e. burning up, doing what they said that one that they were tracking wasn't going to do, so wasn't a threat. And they say nothing about this significant number of weekly fireballs burning up in the atmosphere. Explain it to me, Neil. They're just so proud of their their surveillance of it. The fact that they caught, they managed to catch something beforehand. Watch this. We can track these things come in. We're going to be so fine, people. Nothing's going to go wrong ever. Right. But so, if something happens that's not outside their control, they're like, nah, la, 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 la. So anyway, in other news. You know, yeah. Um, a couple of other things. Watch the space in Ireland. I think the protests there are growing week by week. And the government's having to start reacting. Basically protests against huge numbers of migrants coming in. It's a small country, I don't know, 5 million north and south. But they're expecting by year's end, 2023, 180,000. 90,000 more this year, which would double the number of current asylum applicants. And uh, but there's a lot of, I mean, it's anecdotal. I don't know. It's having enough of a real-world effect that when buses arrive from the airport into usually working-class areas mm-hmm. and a bunch of men come off and they're put up in a hotel or something, mm-hmm. and then incidents are happening, crimes, rapes, etc. This is basically the same uh, as elsewhere in Europe, but it seems to be more concentrated or pronounced, or it's it's having more of a, there's more of a backlash. It's sharper. Mm-hmm. It's come on kind of suddenly. So watch the space. I think there could be, they've already started a bit of a crackdown on protest organizers. They arrested one of them last week and banned him from all social media. This might, this might spiral into another kind of smaller version of the Canadian trucker convoy movement. Yeah. Just this, just since since we have it there, just throw it up, there, Scotty. This is uh, just getting back to the fireball thing, just to validate what I was saying to to um, highlight what I was saying about the increasing number. Um, there's a chart it goes back to 2006, um, and that's the year on year. The different um, colors there are events with more than ten um, number of reports. You know, more than 25, more than 50. And more than a hundred. Um, so you know you're up at, uh, and that's per year. Uh, 2022, it's up at 500 uh, sightings of those kind of meteorite fireballs uh, in the sky that you similar to the ones we saw there from from Russia. Yeah, and that's the graph showing year on year increase. And yet they get it all worked up at one little space rock that's flying through the sky and isn't going to come anywhere near us. Um. There's one last. That's just a huge change. There's one last thing I just want to want to highlight, just because it's uh, it's on the same topic as that one about the. I don't know if it's on the same topic as UFOs. Um, about Putin and his UFOs, the UFOs buzzing Putin. Did they buzz him? They didn't buzz him. They were just over the area. Anyway, yeah, over the city. Let's, let's call it. Let's call it. That, let's say they were buzzing Putin. Because uh, it's uh, gets more clicks, right? Um, this woman. Uh, Nicola Bully. It's she disappeared. She's a mother of two. Nicola Bully, um, forty-five year old. Last seen next to the River Wire, 
in St. Michael's on Wire, Lancashire, Northeast England, a week ago. So she, um, she's walking her dog, I think most mornings along this river, close to her house, dropped off her daughters beforehand, eight, six and nine at school on the 27th of January. Last confirmed sighting of her by another person, another walker, was at 9.10 in the morning. She was seen on the upper field, so not right beside the river or anything. She was with her dog, her, her spaniel. Uh, her dog was found, Willow was found running loose uh, off a road about 25 minutes, minutes after she was last seen by another dog walker. So at 9.20, police believe her phone was on a bench while connected to a work team's meeting, which ended 10 minutes later. And so she was on this work team meeting. She had her camera off and her audio off because she wasn't actually talking or she was just listening in. So she 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 vanished in that 10-minute window. Mm. Um, there's a map just down below there. You can see it's fairly, you know, it's right beside the, the village, I think, that she, that she lived in. Um, you know, it's not right along the river. Part of it's close enough to the river, but not exactly. Um, number four there is where they found her phone on a on a bench. And so this is something she's done every day, uh, most days, let's say, uh, every morning, goes for a walk. There's CCTV cameras at the kind of entrance and exit of that walk or that path along there, and they're can, they're, they're fairly sure that she did not leave the area. Um, and their only conclusion is then she, the dog was found just running around. Dog wasn't wet. Uh, the only conclusion is that the only thing they can come up with understandably is that she somehow decided to, or fell into the river or jumped into the river or whatever. And, and, it was and it's not, away. and it, well, it's not exactly a big river either. You no. know what I mean? It's a fairly small river. It's not exactly very deep in most places. Um, but she just up and disappeared. So literally, uh, yeah. And this it's been a week, you know. Um, so just for people who don't know, this is uh, if you want to know more about that kind of topic of disappearing people in very strange circumstances. Some of them never to be found again. Uh, some of them found again in very strange circumstances. Look up uh, David Pauli, David Paulides or Paulides. Uh, he's got a bunch of books called Missing Four One One. He's also <coughs> he's also on Twitter. And he has a few documentaries out. So it's just an interesting topic for you to keep in mind um, in parallel with all the shenanigans going on around the world. Ah, strangeness. In sports news this week, Novak Djokovic won the Australian Open in a glorious FU to COVID, to the Five Eyes, to anti-Slav racism over the war. I thought that was perfect. A year later, but for all that shite from the Australian government, you can't come here. You're not vaccinated. Well, I'm not going to get it. I'm, well, then you cannot play. Okay, then fine. I'm going home. Fine. A year later, he wins. Yeah. <laughs> this is glorious. Bill Gates and also his, his main rival, what's his name, Rafael, Rafael Nadal. Yeah. Yeah, the, he's basically injured, you know. I'm not saying it was uh, the, uh, the, the well, thingy the injury. Thing, uh, the thing, but uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a year too older, but... Um, Bill Gates was actually actually at the final where Djokovic won. Ah. Sucker. Um, sadly, this week, um, someone has passed. Fred Lamormont died suddenly in Quebec, Canada. He is 
Was he vaccinated? Well, that's, no, no, I don't know about that now. I'm not sure. No one's saying it. They're just saying he died suddenly, which mm. makes you wonder. It's suspicious, yeah. right? Sudden death of Quebec's Fred Lamomotte, uh cast a shadow. Oh, very good, very good wordplay on Groundhog Day. Didn't know the Canadians did Groundhog Day too, but there you go. So they went to, you know, open his little den. He's supposed to, they hold him up and they listen to what he says. And if he sees a shadow of six more weeks of winter or not. But what happens if you take him out and Fred's dead? Mm. I like, are you in for an endless winter? Uh, this winter is never going to end. Never try and wake him up. Fred, wake up. Um, bonk him. Maybe, was he frozen? Is that what it was? He was just know. frozen, frozen solid. They just said die suddenly. Well, the suspicious now. I'm, just, I'm worried. I'm wondering if he did get the thing. You know, these days you can't be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, weather is a complicated thing, Neil, and you shouldn't confuse weather with climate. If you ever try and talk about the weather or climate change or anything on uh, any social media, if you if you wait long enough, some. Some snobby uh, climatologist or uh, will come in and tell you, I think you're confusing climate and weather, Neil. You don't know the very basic difference between climate and weather. You need to look it up, okay? It's, you know, so just, just shut up. And also, are you a doctor? Are you an epidemiologist? Are you a virologist? If not, just shut up. You can't comment on any of this stuff, okay? Unless you have PhDs in every single... I'm a fisherman. You're a fisherman. Right. And you're going to slap people with that fish? Good yeah. job. You want, you want to talk about climate? Glo- no. Glo- there is no global warming. Shut up. I, I'm, I'm citing official data here. It was I think super the hot latest last was year. just released. Um, it was super hot where I lived last year, therefore you, there is global warming. Remember the pause to explain that there had been no warming in the last six years. Yeah. A couple of years ago, they said, well, there's a pause, but the overall trends are yeah. going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just been officially extended. It's now eight years and five months and counting since September 2014. Officially, the overall global figure they give is that we are 0.16C down. Yeah, but that's overall. That's just a pause in the overall trend, Neil. And you see whenever... This way. Yeah, yeah, but do you see when, when, when it goes, when we actually go into an ice age? That's still just global a warming. dip in the overall warming trend, um, right? I mean, don't get, don't be so, don't be so like subjective about it, you know. <laughs> just because in the northern hemisphere when we are all freezing, don't think that you know this isn't global warming because that that freeze that mini ice age will be temporary, and the people after you will have to suffer when the heat overall trend continues up when it rebounds back into heat it'll they're, they're you know the sea levels will still rise after that in fact uh-huh. it's, look at it this way <laughs> look at it this way if there's a major freeze in the northern hemisphere the ice caps increase you know when they melt again what'll happen major sea level rise what's that global warming exactly man-made and i'll be banned from social media in 150 years and if those expanded ice caps for a few thousand years uh, cause, you know, when they cause glaciation in the Northern Hemisphere, when they are melted, possibly as a result of a meteorite strike that releases large amounts of water 
from the frozen ice caps back into the oceans and then causes the sea level rise that has been predicted, Neil, as part of global warming. That's still man-made. How? What? Because when people go mental on the planet, <laughs> it calls down space rocks. <laughs> so they're making it. I it is, see. It is man-made. I see. And when all that happens, you'll still be telling me, listen, Neil, don't mind the mile-high ice in New York City. Don't confuse weather and climate. Right. Don't confuse weather and climate. Just look at it in a long, long... Just If, if, if only we like, had those Chinese weather balloons to warn us. <laughs> if, if you feel you're being proven wrong, just about... If you feel that you're wrong about global warming, man-made global warming, just expand out the time frame. A few thousand years. And look at the really, really long-term overall trends. Go way, way out. Like, I mean, you can imagine if you keep going to that point in a few billion years where the sun is going to burn up the planet... You know, mm-hmm. pretty hot, huh? On <laughs> a long enough time scale, the media is always right. Exactly. On a long enough time scale, I can justify anything. So there you go. So I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. At least I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to, if, if Neil isn't going to leave it there, I'm going to get up and leave him here and he can talk about whatever he wants. But I have to go because I have very important things to do, like scan the skies outside my house for Chinese weather balloons. Chinese spy balloon, sorry. So yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for commenting and chatting. And don't forget to smash all the like buttons because smashing buttons is really, well, it'll release a bit of stress that I'm sure you're feeling these days. So uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another show on whatever's been happening between now and then. So until then, have a good one. See you later. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Can't stop the signal now.